This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for March 19, 2023. The title of the message is Living and Dying for Christ. If you have your Bibles, would you open them with me to Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 1. Uh, I'll be including a little portion at the end of verse 18 there, all the way to verse 26. Uh, Before we hear God's word, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask him for his Holy Spirit. Father, we come before you with our Bibles open. Uh, That represents open hearts unto you to hear your voice, to experience your love, to hear Jesus high and lifted up. Lord, would you speak to us in your word? Would you make it real? Would you make it comprehensible to us so that we can understand it? And Lord, would you speak to each and every one of us, Lord, so that we hear your voice as we hear by faith. Lord, would you be with me, your servant, that as I read it, as I proclaim it, as I illustrate it, as I apply it, Lord, may your people hear the voice of their shepherd, calling them to come unto you who are weary and heavy laden, to come so that for them to live as Christ and to die as gain. We ask, Lord, all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, You can follow along uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, and you can see it as well on the uh, slide behind me. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all be, I will not be at all ashamed But that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Thus is the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to it this morning. I, uh, I talked a little bit about uh, this particular story uh, last Sunday, and I, I thought there was so much, so much more um, to extract from it as an illustration. Um, in 2003, uh, Aaron Ralston biked 15 miles into the heart of Canyonlands National Park, and he he rode his bike uh, into a slot canyon, which is like a almost like a uh, just a deep ravine straight down uh, uh, into the ground. 
And he descended deep into that narrow ravine, and while he was climbing it, an 800-pound boulder fell on his right arm, trapping him. And he didn't have any way to call for help. He didn't bring a cell phone with him. Nor, uh, to his deep regret, he didn't tell anyone where he was going and what he was doing. So no one was going to look for him. No one would know where to find him. And no one, that means, no one was going to rescue him. He had thought about cutting off his arm, but he was afraid to do so. After five days, he finally ran out of food and the last drop of water. And he resigned uh, himself to die out in that canyon. And so, On that fifth day, as the sun went down, he carved his name right next to him. He carved his full name with his birth date and the day that he carved uh, uh, that uh, into the canyon so that when they or if they found his body, they would know who he was. And that night, hungry and dehydrated, he began to hallucinate. And he dreamt of himself playing uh, catch with a with his child, with only half a right arm. And and in the face of death, he dreamt of a future life of a wife with a wife and family. That in the face of death, he said this, all the desires, joys, and euphorias of a future life came rushing into me. And this is how I handled the pain. I was so happy to be taking action. In the face of death, he finally had something to live for. In the face of death, Paul shows us what he is living for. Paul tells us what every Christian ought to live and die for. Um, He shows us the Christian's desire. May it be our desire to live and to die for Christ. Because like Paul, for us to live is Christ, and to die is gain. May it be, in many ways, our life verse, a verse that, from which we, everything else uh, emanates from us. It is a verse on which we stand and build our lives. May it be uh, the outlook and the perspective uh, for all the people of God as it was for Paul. So the question I want to ask this morning then is, how do we then live and die for Christ? What does Paul mean here? In verse 21, well, first, we live and die for Christ uh, that arises out of a hope to honor Christ in life and in death. After rejoicing in Christ, uh, uh, after rejoicing that Christ is being proclaimed as he sits in prison, Paul rejoices in the hope of deliverance. Beginning in verse 19 here, he gives us hope. He, he shows, he, he talks about his own hope in two things, two distinct things. He hopes for deliverance through the prayers of the Philippians, as well as the hope of the Holy Spirit, verse 19. And this reminds us of the hope that comes to us through prayer. That no matter what our circumstances may be, we can have hope in going boldly to God and asking for help in our time of need. Look at verse 19. 
Right? He rejoices in the midst of prison, in the midst of chains. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know, there's no uncertainty here, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. This is the kind of a hope that we all can and ought to have, beginning with prayer. How often do we walk into the difficult circumstances of our lives trying to take care of it in our own strength and not going to the Lord and wondering, is this going to turn out well for me? How am I going to live? I don't know what's going to happen. But when we begin with prayer, the certainty, the assurance, the hope that prayer gives to us because God is a sovereign God. He can do anything. And so if we trust in him, then we can trust in our, we can trust that he has the best for us and is caring for us in the midst of our circumstances. There is no greater assurance than that which we can have through prayer. And, and this is, ought to be an encouragement for you and for me. We not only should pray for hope and assurance in our own circumstances, but let's also Pray for others for hope and assurance in their circumstances, right? Paul is, is, is looking to the prayer of the Philippians for him, right? The prayer of, a, James says, the prayer of, of a righteous man will availeth much. Well, how about a whole church of righteous in Christ? How much more that will availeth much uh, uh, in the Lord? And then giving us through that prayer uh, we become more aware, more sensitive to the Holy Spirit that is already indwelling in us, comforting us, pointing us to Jesus. So that in one way or another, everything will turn out for our deliverance, whether it be immediate deliverance, free, you know, how the Lord freed the apostles from jail in Acts 5, right? Or a, a, maybe a longer term, near term uh, Deliverance that uh, the judges or, or the officials might release Paul from his arrest. Or, and this is a real possibility for Paul and for many uh, of us uh, who may be persecuted, in, in, you know, not only here but throughout the world, is that things are not going to turn out physically in our circumstances for our physical deliverance. But it will turn out for our ultimate deliverance on Judgment Day. That though we die, yet shall we live. On that last day, we will rise again and be vindicated. Uh, that the whole world, even our enemies, will all know that we belong to God. That we are righteous in Christ. And the, and the sins and the persecution and the oppression and the injustices that were committed against us we're wrong, and God will vindicate us. So, so Paul has that probably short-term and ultimate-term deliverance in view here. And secondly, and the second hope that he rejoices in is to hope uh, in honoring Christ in his body in life and death. That, uh, that because he has this hope in prayer and the Holy Spirit, 
he has the hope then and assurance of honoring Christ, whatever his circumstances. Look at verse 20. He doesn't want he, he to dishonor Christ. He doesn't want to bring shame to Christ. But he wants to honor him as he sits in chains getting ready for trial. That no matter what the outcome may be, he, he will not be ashamed. That God will not bring him shame. That, that he will honor Christ in the way that he lives, the way that he conducts himself, the assurance and the faith that he has, even when he is about to be condemned and to die. So that through him, through him, when the time comes, in his death, he will honor Christ in his body. I think that's what he's saying here, that even if he dies, he will honor Christ in his body the way that Christ died in his. As it is my eager expectation and hope uh, and that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, Paul isn't trusting in his own strength or what he feels is an inherent ability to be faithful. He's eagerly expecting and hoping that he will have all the courage he needs to honor Christ. That he won't fold or wilt under the pressure. That he will stand firm and continue as he always has thus far. You see, this is a man who is totally and completely trusting in the Lord and not in himself. And he's trusting in the Lord not just for salvation, right? Not for, the, for when he dies and goes to heaven or when Jesus returns and he rises from the grave. But he is trusting in Christ in every circumstance, including the one in which he presently finds himself in. And this ought to be our hope in everything that we do, in every circumstance, in every trouble, in every trial, in every joy. That we would have the assurance through prayer and the Holy Spirit, to honor Christ in our own bodies. And this is my hope for all of you as you live your life and as you prepare for death, that in all the calculations and priorities of your life, you would make it your hope to honor Christ in the way that you live your life and when the time comes, in the way that you die. One of the most important things that I can do and to help prepare you for, is not only to live your life today and every day, but to prepare you for death. So that at the end, at the very end, when you breathe your last breath, you aren't gasping in fear, wondering if God loves you. That you aren't gasping in fear, whether you're, you don't know what's going to happen once you close your eyes but to take your last breath knowing that you belong both in body and in soul to God because Jesus loved you and died and rose again for you. Do you have that assurance and hope this morning? That, yeah, you, you live fine today. You're breathing, you're young, you're strong, or maybe you're older and less healthy and your body's falling apart. Do you, are you prepared for the, for the day in which you breathe your last breath? That if you were to breathe that last breath, you have the great assurance and hope 
that you would be with Jesus. If you don't, can I invite you, can I encourage you uh, to have that assurance, to put your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, and that you would know that you're saved. Let, let me move on. Let's, let's move on to my second point. That as we hope in Christ, we, we can and we will live and die for Christ because uh, of our desire to live and die in Christ. Let me say that one more time. Um, as we hope in Christ, we can live and die for Christ because of our desire to live and die in Christ. Look at verse 21. He gives us three reasons for living and dying uh, in Christ, for Christ. We see his deep disposition, what he holds to, what he believes about living and dying for Christ. Look at verse 21. He gives us his personal disposition that he himself embraces. This is not a general truth for other people to believe, but this is a specific truth and hope and assurance for him. Look at what he says, for to me. Not you. Of course, that's an implication, but he's saying, for to me. Right? This is the center of his life, the reason for living. This is what he lives for. It makes us ask, what do we live for? Right? And so for to me, then, to live is Christ. Right? This is the disposition of, of, of his whole life as he lives it. Right? In the Greek, it, it simply says, living Christ, to live Christ, as if it's, it's, a, it's like, it's like uh, to live equals Christ. His whole life, everything about it, from the beginning to the end, every molecule in his body, every thought in his, in his mind, every uh, emotion in his heart, every action, everything is Christ, centered on Christ. It's about Christ. Life is all about Christ, serving him, living in him, living for him. Paul puts it this way in Colossians 3, 4. For Christ is our life. Uh, let me ask this question for you. And this is just a, a food for thought for you. Do, is Jesus the center, the essence, the heart of your life, and you make room for everything else around it? Or do you live your life for yourself and you try to make room for Jesus? There's a world of difference between those two. And Paul is not, he chooses the one in which Christ is everything to him and everything else he tries to fit in so that they become um, uh, extensions of living in Christ rather than trying to fit Jesus into our lives. He prioritizes uh, life in Christ, and everything else then falls into place. And many, many times I think we, we may not say it, but we live it out. We live it the other way. We try to fit Jesus in. You know, we, don't, we want Jesus to, to have a certain amount of our lives, but not too much, because we're too busy with all of these other things that are our higher priorities. Let's admit it. But this is a challenge. This is my challenge to you. This is Paul's challenge to you. To live, is, is it Christ or is it something else? Paul tells us why to live as Christ 
uh, for him. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If Jesus lived for you, uh, how can you not live for him? And then he moves on to give us his conviction, not only about uh, himself, his personal conviction and and the conviction of life in Christ, but also his conviction uh, of death in Christ. When you know what you're living for, then you know what you are willing to die for. If you know what you're willing to die for, then you know what you will live for. You see that? And to die, Paul says, is gain. When Christ is what we live for, then dying is, is when we fully gain him. When Christ is the meaning, identity, hope, and purpose of your life, when you live for him as your all in all, as the all-satisfying treasure of your life that is your life, then death simply becomes the doorway into his glorious presence. Death, then, for Paul here, is how you fully gain him. That's what he means, that death is gain. And this forces us to ask the question, what are you living for? What would you die for? Verse 21 is a test uh, for all of us. What you're really living and dying for. Not what you say you live and die for, but what you are really living and dying for. Right? Fill in the blank here. For me to live is whatever, and to die is whatever. For me to live is money, sex, pleasure, power, beauty, popularity, acceptance, intellect. Whatever it is that you're living for, what you prioritize, what you obsess about, what you dream about, what you talk about. That is what you're really living for. And because all of these things, that, is, uh, that they, they are what we're functionally living for. They're like idols in our lives. They're poor God substitutes. If that's what we're living for, then it's very easy then to lose it so that dying is not gained but is loss. Let me give you, give you a, 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 some I, a, a, examples here. All right, so if you, if you live for something other than God, then you can lose it. And when you lose it, then dying becomes the loss. Right? So if you live for money, then dying is poverty. If living is power, then dying is powerlessness. If living is in a person, in a relationship, in a husband, in a wife, in, in a person, any person other than God, then dying will be losing that person and being lonely. And this is why when we lose the functional idols of our lives, it feels like death. It's why when we lose that idol, we feel like dying. We want to die. And some people fall into deep depression and despair. Why? Because they've lost what they have been living for, and it feels like death. But the only thing worth living and dying for is found in the gospel. In Christ, we have eternal life, true life, as life it was meant to be. And because of the gospel, we not only have life in Christ, 
But when we live in Christ, when we live for Christ, when life is Christ, then and only then can dying become gain. Nothing else, nothing else is worth living for so that dying becomes gain. Only in the gospel. Why? Because in the gospel, death has lost its sting. In the gospel, Jesus lived for us so he could die for us. In rising for us, he gives us eternal life so that death is no longer the end of life, but the gaining of life with him in glory. You see, death is how we go to Jesus and gain him. And this is how we are free then to live for Christ. When death has lost its sting, life is ours to live. Like Getty Him says, Oh, to see my name written in the wounds, for through your suffering I am free. Death is crushed to life, to death. Life is mine to live. Won through your selfless love. This is why Paul expounds on what it means to live for Christ, which means fruitful game for Christ, and why he can't decide between the two, and why desire is why his desire is to depart or to die and be with Christ that is far better. Verse 23. Living is for Christ so that dying can be with him, to be with him. And let me um, uh, uh, begin uh, to, to give the last point here. We can live and die for Christ not only because our hope and our desire is for him, but we can live and die for Christ. Um, we can live for Christ in the face of dying for Christ because we can serve Christ and to, and to, to be like him, to glorify him. Paul goes on to say, even though to depart and be with Christ is better, he tells us why he wants to remain. Why, why does he want to remain, right? If it's better to be with the Lord, which is far better, right, uh, ideally, but, but for now it is necessary for him to remain so that he can serve the people of God. Look at verse 24. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary, right? Why? On your account, for your sake. So when for us to live is Christ and to die is gain, although to be with Christ is better, we all have a job to do. See, this is, I think this is where we, we forget the purpose of our lives and what that means practically. That if we are remaining here and we haven't gone to be with the Lord, God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us to live in such a way so that Christ is magnified. And what is that? Paul gives us a layout. It is, it is so that your faith may progress uh, and, and your joy in faith may grow. And, and, and God can use you to help others progress in their faith and joy until Jesus returns. Right? Look at what he says. For your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because my coming to you again. Friends, brothers and sisters, you know, if you're, gonna, if you're living for Christ, right, 
What does that look like practically in your life? Does it mean, and I'll be, let me put it this way. Does it mean simply reading your Bible uh, each and every day? Maybe, partly. But it means nothing if you're not serving as Christ served, if you're not loving as Christ loved, if you're not helping as Christ helped, in whatever gifts and abilities you may have. So for some of you, it may be serving by teaching. For some of you, it may be serving by counseling and ministering and just being there, encouraging uh, and giving. And, and for some of you, it may be um, sharing the gospel so that someone may begin the progress of joy and faith or to grow in, in the progress of joy and faith. And, um, and so if you are remaining in the body, uh, can I offer to you to consider um, that it would be to serve others, not to serve yourself, but to serve others so that they may progress in their joy and faith. So Paul tells us how to live and die out of the hope to honor him, out of a desire to live and die for him as we serve his people. And so the question is, why does, Jesus, does Paul feel this way, particularly about Jesus? Why is Jesus Paul's everything so that for to him uh, to live is Christ and to die is gain? Why is Jesus Paul's all in all? What is it for him uh, so that Christ is his life and dying is gain. Well, it's because in the gospel, Christ gave everything for us so that we can give everything for him. In the gospel, he gave his life for sinners like us so we can give our lives to a savior like him. In the gospel, he came to live and die for us so we can live and die for him. In the gospel, he lived for us and died on the cross to gain us, to win us, to save us from our sins, eternal death and condemnation and separation from God. He died to gain us. He lived for us so we might live for him. He died to gain us so that by faith we can gain him. This is why Paul can go on to late, and later to St. Chapter 3. He exp- expands on this. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Do you see the beauty of what Paul is saying here? That, that Jesus, the Son of God, who, in, who humbled himself and gave, gave up his glory, he gave everything so that for him, living was for us, and dying was to lose everything to gain us. So that in the gospel, living is to gain him, and dying is to be with him. Uh, you know, on Friday, we, there, you know, um, many people celebrated St. Patrick's Day. You know, the, the, the saint of, of, of Ireland and uh, the 5th century bishop. Um, people associate St. Patrick's Day with drinking and partying. 
But here is what Patrick was all about. Listen to his prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me. Christ behind me, Christ in me. Christ beneath me, Christ above me. Christ on my right, Christ on my left. Christ when I lay down, Christ when I sit down. Christ when I arise. Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. To, for him, and I pray for all of you, that for you to live is Christ, so that dying would be your gain. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful truth to live and die for Christ because he lived and died for us. Help us, Lord, to truly savor and to understand and comprehend the depth of what that means for us. Lord, help us uh, to, to live in the same way. We ask, Lord, all of these things In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.